Well, guys, we've got a treat this morning. Um, we've got one of our reload leaders, Randy Ritzma, is going to come up and uh, share a message. But I want to share something. I'm going to do a little little ad here for Randy, uh, uh, just something that you might not know about him. But he's the owner of Graphics um, Unlimited. And, um, and uh, Randy uh, does uh, all kinds of things. Uh, they print T-shirts, and they do all kinds of different things. So if you're looking um, to get some of this stuff done, uh, see Randy. But uh, he and his brother Tim have been uh, operating that business for quite a while now. I don't know how many years, Randy. 29 years. Wow, that's longer than I thought it was. But uh, yeah, they do an excellent job. We get a lot of things from the church from him. And so he hasn't asked me to do that advertisement, but it might be something that uh, you don't realize that uh, service that they offer. But uh, again, he's one of our leaders here at Reload. And would you give him a warm Reload welcome as he comes to share a message with us this morning that God's put on his heart. All right. Well, hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, we're going to get right to it. Uh, the title of the message today is At the Table. At the Table. Sometimes there's a, there's a physical table, like here on Tuesday mornings, that we assemble at. Other times it's a spiritual table that we assemble at with God himself and, and maybe perhaps a few other men on a retreat or that kind of a thing. Um, when I was uh, running this past my son, Jacob, I said, hey, Jacob, what do you think? And he goes, well, I like the idea, Dad, that it's not just a physical table, but it's a spiritual table as well. There's things that God does in our spirit, in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, as well as a physical table. And uh, I'm just going to start out with Colossians 1, verses 9 through 14. The Bible says, well, speaking of invite, you ever hear of that invite only? Invite only? Well, God has invited every man to come to the table, but not every man will choose to come. So on that note, it's like, well, how, what do you, who, who asked you here? How did you get invited? Who qualified you? <clears throat> Colossians 1 verse 9, For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son of he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We just sang about the name of Jesus. No other name under heaven that man may be saved except that of Jesus Christ. Remember years ago, I know we're a little bit older here, so I can say this. Remember the, the TV series Bonanza? Big Valley? So when Lauren Green, the, the father, Ben Cartwright, had the three sons assembled around the table... It was kind of cool because they talk about the day. Hey, how's the day going? Hey, how's that going in the back 40, so to speak? And they would share their adventures. They would talk about things. And father, the father, Ben Cartwright, would give wisdom and encouragement and that settledness where little Joe maybe got in a fight in town and then Hoss was going to come and settle the score, you know, that kind of a thing. Because they were brothers, literally. We're brothers here on Tuesday morning here at Resurrection Life Men's Reload Breakfast. They had a chance to check in with each other, and they had that fellowship with one another. 
I'm going to uh, ask that a, a picture be put up uh, on the screen at this point. Leonardo da Vinci painted this painting of the Last Supper. You notice anything different about, <laughs> about that picture? Hey, who's the guy to the right of Jesus? Hey, that looks like me. Um, and so that might seem sacrilegious to some of you, but what I want to say <laughs> is that it's not because your picture could be up next to Jesus there at the Last Supper. And do you know what Jesus said to the disciples before that picture was painted? Hey, if you guys want to be in the picture, you've got to be on this side of the table. <clears throat> I know it's early. <laughs> They're all on the one side. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Psalm 23 says this, uh, verses 4 and 5. Um, actually, verses uh, 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my, with my head with oil, and my cup overflows. In ancient times, the host was obligated to protect their guests at all costs. Remember that back uh, a long time ago, Lot was protecting his guests, that they wanted to come in and do immoral things with them in Sodom and Gomorrah. So he was protecting them at all costs. And back in that ancient times, when you were a guest... That was the protection. The host was, uh, was protecting you kind of a thing. And when we're with God in that table, he's protecting us as well. He's offering us that almighty, omniscient, all-knowing presence of almighty God. He is those things. You know, we can be right in the middle of turmoil, trouble, testing, and trials, but God does prepare a table for us. And it's, it's a feast. The Bible talks about uh, this, that, that table is a feast. It's not just a couple of snacks. You ever go to a, a hotel and you hear, oh, there's a hot breakfast. Well, a hot breakfast is you putting bread in the toaster and that makes it hot. <laughs> so it's like, wait, what? Donuts? Seriously? Maybe a banana? Well, this is a feast. This is a whole spread. This is a buffet, breakfast, buffet, brunch, whatever, wherever you've gone to a fancy brunch and a, it's got everything on it. That's the kind of thing that God offers us in relationship with him. It also mentions the anointing of the head with oil. In those ancient times as well, they would anoint your head with oil, a uh, symbol of the Holy Spirit, and your cup is filled and it overflows. Well, where does it overflow? It overflows in our daily life. It overflows at our kitchen table on Tuesday morning with a friend at a restaurant. It overflows to bring life to others, life to others. So in that picture, visualize yourself there. And again, that's the scripture. It says he qualifies us. God qualifies us to be at that table. And as disciples of Christ, he walked with them at that time with 12 physical men and others. It talks about many other disciples. It wasn't just the 12. So you're one of the many others. You're a Modern-day saint, if you want to call it that. You're a modern-day disciple. What's a disciple? He's a follower. He's a learner of someone, and that would be Jesus Christ. So visualize yourself at that table. You've been called. You've been qualified, and God wants to continue to fill you up, overflowing, pressed down, shaken together. We talk about financially, but also spiritually. God wants us to overflow in those places that we go. Well, what's on the menu, you say, at the table? Well, I'm glad you asked. How about some refreshment? <clears throat> There's times of uh, refreshing in the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. There's also affirmation. 
I affirm you in relationship with me. As I have not only called you servants, but called you friends, Jesus said. He elevated that status. And I like that phrase, didn't it? You know, I'm not so great that it came up with it, but we're sons. We're adopted sons. We're also bondservants and servants, as, as Paul talks about. But we're, I like to say, we're sons who serve. We're relationally connected to God, but out of that relationship, we also serve. So we're like princes spiritually. We, we have a place. We're seated in heavenly realms, the Bible says. But yet we also have that place of humility and respect and reverence and awe before our Father God. So it's that, it's that combination of walking also in humility but also in confidence. So it's that double-edged sword, so to speak. We want to be humble, but we walk in boldness. Someone said one time to me, Randy, there's a difference between boldness and cocky. Cocky is self-oriented. Boldness is Holy Spirit-oriented. There's also protection. The enemy can't interfere. God provided a table, David wrote this psalm, in the presence of my enemies. So it's like you're sitting down to eat at, at this table. There's all kinds of people that want to get at you, that want to steal from you, take from you, hurt you, but yet they can't. There's that boundary. And that's, what's, uh, that's what God also offers us, protection in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the fiery furnace, in the midst of the lion's den, in the midst of prison. God has that place of protection for us. There's also identity. That identity is important because when we realize who we are and whose we are, that makes a difference when the times of testing comes. When you know that you know that you know who you are in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Someone said at another table, I sat at the other day, well, what's righteousness, you know? What does that look like? And, and I told him, it's, it's nothing that you've done. <laughs> it's everything that God has done for you and in you. And our job is to receive and to accept and to walk out that truth and to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. Outside of Christ, we deserve judgment. Inside of Christ, we are free, saved, set free for eternity on our way to heaven. But in the meantime, we have jobs to do. We have assignments, <clears throat> pardon me, assignments to do uh, that God gives us. There's another table the Bible talks about in Proverbs. And this is interesting, as I was doing a little homework, so to speak, preparing, this was kind of a cool table. <clears throat> I had never really come across until this preparation. Proverbs 9, 1 through 5. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple come here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food, drink the wine I have mixed. So wisdom is calling to us. So at that table in fellowship with God and one another, there's wisdom. There's God's truth. And when God's truth is applied, then it becomes truth for us. Then it becomes transformation. See, we can read the Bible as information, but when we receive it and apply it, it becomes transformation. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's not just words on a paper. And I've, I've said this before, but when you're reading a book, you're reading that author's thoughts, right? When you're reading the Word of God, you're reading God's thoughts. So if you wonder to have questions or don't know what God is saying, he wrote it down for us. He wrote it down. Read the book. That's right. And don't forget to read the end of the book. It has a great, awesome ending. <laughs> or should I say beginning? It's the, 
It's the end of this earth as we know it, but the beginning with God for eternity that we don't know, but will be awesome. There was, back in 2008, there was a downturn in the economy. And at that point, it was very uh, detrimental to our business. We're one of the first things that go off the table, uh, promotional products, right? Well, hey, if we're going to pay our employees, that's more important than a T-shirt. <laughs> that's more important than a mug or whatever else you can put your name on. But the reality is when we had that cutback, we had not only cut the fat, we cut the muscle where we lived at, at, at my company. And uh, we lost our insurance coverage. We had to pay for it ourselves. Um, we, I think we had a car repair. Uh, we had some uh, health insurance things we had to pay for. The whole air got sucked out of the room like Rick Renner talked about recently. The lawyer said you have a 0% chance of surviving this. You're basically on your way out. Pack your bags. Well, my wife and I were sitting at the table, tears streaming down our face. <laughs> and I said, God, I know who you are. I know your character. I know you're going to take, take care of us and see us through this. And my positive confession was that God was our source. Now, did we experience some lack? Did we go through some lean times? Did we not go out to eat very much? Did we, did we run a, a tight ship? Of course. <clears throat> but at the same time, in time, there was recovery there is replenishment and restoration. But sometimes it's hard to relate to people when we've never gone through anything tough, right? So can I say this? When we've gone through hard times, God wants us to minister to others who are in those hard times. But we can't truly identify in empathy and truly understand unless we've walked through a, a, a church that closes or a business that fails or a relationship that dwindles or a child that, that walks away or, or whatever other loss or frustration or a health that goes away. One doctor's appointment. Well, that's a doctor's report. I understand. Uh, I like what Jesse Duplantis says. He says there's, there's the, the, the fact is I've been diagnosed with something, but the truth is God has provided healing for me. So again, whose report are you going to believe? Remember that song? We will believe the report of the Lord. We can't go in there. Look at that walled city. Look at all those people. We're going to get smeared. Are you kidding? We're just like grasshoppers in their sight. But, but God said, we are well able to go up and take it. Joshua and Caleb were the only two saying that. And the others, they didn't give just a bad report. Some translations call it an evil report. But it was true, God. There were walled cities. There were men that were huge and that were giants. But God said. And that's something, you ever have that as a kid? You know, when, when, when someone calls you, get called for dinner with one of your brothers or sisters, like, hey, it's time to eat. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still playing with your G.I. Joes or your Barbies or whatever. In this case, it's G.I. Joes. Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that's, make it plain, make it plain, G.I. Joe. So, um, <laughs> so, but then when they say, Dad said, you better come now. It's like, oh, you know, because you know what's going to happen. So when Dad says something, it carries the authority with it. So not only that, it's true for us. God said, you are well able to go up and take the land. God said, I want you to start this business. God said, I want you to say this to your wife. It's like, oh, but that's going to, 
and my flesh is bristling. Yes, yes, your flesh is going to bristle. At times, your mind will betray you. Your reason is your treason. But you follow where the peace of God. What, what is God saying? And that peace of God will bring you into places that norm, normally you would say, I got no business being here. I'm not qualified. Well, again, there you are at the table. And uh, that was one of the few places there was room for me. Just happened to be right next to Jesus. So that's where I put the picture. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, John was the closest to Jesus. At, anyways, but, uh, but keep looking at that because that's the reality. Each and every one of us is invited to that table. Each and every one of us is now a son of God. So we have our biological family and there's our spiritual family. At times, I've been closer to my spiritual family than I have my own biological family. What is that? It's called life. It's called life. You know, the Bible also says, Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. That's another scripture that dovetails with, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Ephesians 3, I love Ephesians 3. I pray this um, oftentimes for people. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. Again, God is a relational God. It's family. It's not just a club or organization or, or people that, you know, paid to be there. It's not it. It's about family. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Spirit to spirit, strengthening your inner man beyond your mind, will, and emotions, your soul strengthening you. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, all the brothers here on Tuesday morning, to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You know, John the Baptist talked about that. I must decrease, he must increase. And there's that song on the radio, less of me and more of you, God. Less of me and more of you. And that they'll see that love of Christ in us. Bypass Randy and see the love of Christ. My uncle Joe, who's now in heaven, did a number of things. He was also a chaplain for Kent County Jail. He was sitting across from a, a wealthy individual whom he worked for. And he was talking to him, and my Uncle Joe was praying, God, let him see you in me. And that man, through that conversation, received Christ. But afterwards, he had a conversation with him. And he says, you know, Joe, when I was sitting across from you at that table, I literally saw Jesus. What? He literally saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him in the eyes of my Uncle Joe. That's a miracle. That's the kind of links that God will go to to get somebody into a relationship, to redeem them, to snatch them from the fire, so to speak. The passion of Jesus to reach a lost and dying world through us at times. Me? I'm not qualified. Well, again, that's that, that's that status. That's that position. He has seated us in heavenly places. So sometimes in my religious mindset, I, I, when I thought about this, you know, I thought, God, is this okay? <laughs> I'm not one of the 12. <laughs> no, I'm one of the millions. <laughs> You're one in a million, baby. So what am I saying? I'm saying that sometimes we have to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. 
Because if we don't, we'll just kind of sit in the waiting room wondering if we'll ever be called because God knows who I really am. On the other hand, when I remind myself of who I am in Christ and walk in repentance and humility and continue to move ahead and take those steps and ask for that infilling of the Holy Spirit, be being filled with the Holy Spirit because we leak, someone said one time. Sometimes after a ministry appointment at times, I would go home and I'd be like, whoa, I'm done. (laughs) So I have to ask God to fill me. Joyce Myers talks about that. She has her big conferences and she started small, by the way. Don't despise small beginnings. So when you, when you think about those kinds of things, it does require something of you. So Joyce, after her uh, weekend uh, meetings, Monday she has nothing on the calendar but God. <laughs> to be refreshed, renewed, refilled. Because it does take energy to give of herself on those weekends. You know, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, He was at God's table, so to speak. It was a time when his own three disciples could not stay awake. And it was coming to the time where he was going to go to the cross and be betrayed. And an angel came and strengthened Jesus. An angel came and strengthened Jesus. Paul in 2 Timothy talks about this. 2 Timothy uh, 4. And on that 16 through 18... At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. You ever feel like you're all alone at times? Rick Renner just shared about that, how he was coming across the the city of Moscow, and this lawyer said you have a 0% chance of surviving this. So he's driving back, and his assistant's driving, and and his assistant says, I can't talk, Rick. I can't talk right now. And his wife, Denise, is in the back crying. In the middle of that, God was with him. In the middle of that, God said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of this. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Delivered from the lion's mouth. You know, sometimes we want to be delivered from something. But at times, God will deliver us in something. He delivered the three Hebrew children from the fiery fires. Fiery furnace, thank you. And he delivered Daniel in the lion's den. See, guys, when we walk through stuff, at times God will have us go around it, over it, or underneath. But sometimes we have to walk right through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mountaintop to mountaintop, there's a valley. And who's with us? Who prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies? Who anoints our head with oil so our cup, uh, not only if it gets filled, but it overflows? God himself does that for us. I think of Elijah. Elijah by the brook Jabbok. He was, he remember, he just all those, all the victory, on the heels of victory of all those prophets of Baal. And the fire, uh, the <clears throat> um, fire came down, burned up the offering and everything. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to have your head on a plate tomorrow. So what does he do? Does he stand against her and says, you know what? Four to five hundred prophets I just dealt with, I'm going to deal with you too. No, he ran. For whatever reason, he, he, when, when Elijah saw that in his own mind, with, again, our mind, if we see something, 
If you can, how does that go? If you can conceive it, you can achieve it. So visualizing ourselves free, visualizing ourselves walking in victory, visualizing ourselves uh, in that place of vision of, of whatever God gave us in a positive way. In a, in a, I'm not talking about the strength of the mind. I'm talking about dreams. And a vision without goals is a dream. So it's important that we see these things in our minds, see ourselves doing it. Years ago in NASA, these astronauts would continually, repetitively, hundreds of times go through leaving the capsule, walking on the moon, driving in the, in the, not the dune buggy, but the moon buggy or the moon dune buggy. They would see themselves doing it hundreds of times. So when they, simulation, so when they actually did it, it was like literally a walk in the park, Kazansky. It was just like, okay, I've been here before. I've seen this before. So that's important, what we meditate on. Good report, wholesome, good things. Think about those things. I think about David after the Battle of Ziglag. The guys wanted to stone him. Everybody said, you know what? We're done with you. We lost all our wives, children, our goods. It's your fault, David. So David went and encouraged himself in the Lord. At that table, God reaffirmed him as king. Oh, he wasn't king yet. Reaffirmed him, as I recall, and uh, reestablished him, refired, refueled, renewed, so he could go and carry out the plans God has for him. At times, we might be broke down, busted, and disgusted. That's real. That's, that's at times the valley. But in that place, God wants to meet us there. He's calling us to the table to say, guys, I have something for you. Look at the menu. What do you need today? Affirmation, strength, anointing, renewal, identity. What do you need today? God, out of his glorious riches, wants to do it in and through you. And again, sometimes, gentlemen, it's not just from something, it's in something. It's in something. Sometimes he keeps us from that, that peril, and other times we walk right through it. I don't understand it, but I know him who is able. <clears throat> At the table of Tuesday morning, we talk about <clears throat> things. We talk about life. We talk about God. We talk about each other. We talk about the things that we're walking through. And it reminds me of the Knights of the Round Table. What's different about a round table than a rectangular table? At the round table, we're all equal. There's no one at the head of the table except the Holy Spirit, so to speak. So in this place, we're all gifted different. We have a different shape. We have different talents, giftings, abilities. But yet we're equal in God's sight. We might have different callings, different assignments, different jobs. We all, I pr we pretty much, I think we went through everybody's occupation. We have just a slew of different occupations here. But we're all gifted different. Someone said one time, I could never do what Billy Graham did or Mother Teresa did or, or whoever, you know, Kenneth Copeland or, or Pastor Dwayne. But yet you don't have the calling that they do. So that's the risk of comparison is to somebody else's ministry, nickels and noses. <laughs> Sometimes we can't, well, how many are you running? Well, I'm running them all. Well, they really want to know how big is your congregation. 
But it's not about the size of the congregation. It's about the impact in the lives of others you have. At times, it might be one. At times, it might be 10. At times, 50 or 100 or 1,000. Let God decide how big your impact is. But knowing this, God has an assignment for each and every one of us. And sometimes, guys, as you know, those assignments change, right? Locations change. People change that we're ministering to. Same God, same calling, but things change. What is it? Sometimes I don't like change any more than you do. It's like, why, why do we have to leave? <laughs> why do I have to go here to a strange place? God had me called to an assignment out of here a number of years ago. It was really hard. I was a deacon, serving in the men's ministry, new life class, finance class. There was good fruit. And God said, step down. And I'm like, I'm like come on, God, are you kidding? There's, there's good fruit. So I, I compared it to somebody else. Well, so-and-so isn't stepping down. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. <laughs> so we did. And we've had, we've had another little fellowship in a men's ministry outside and wasn't understood, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it was very difficult to follow God to something new. I was, I liked the four walls of the church, not the four corners of the earth. I liked the four walls because it was safe, predictable, and I knew everybody. But at times, God will call us out of that strength and solidarity and, and, and foundation to something new. And that's part of like that, you know, the Braveheart stuff. Or, you know, the Rocky stuff, you know, it's like, you know, dun 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 dun, dun. <laughs> It's like, okay, God, you know, it's, it can be the great adventure, like Stephen Curtis Chapman talks about, saddle up your horses. As John Wayne used to say in some of those movies, saddle up. Saddle up for what? I'm not getting on that horse. Last time I got bucked off. <laughs> saddle up. So I want to encourage you, man, because I've been there, not done that. I've been there and done that. So God wants us to continue to go out. The Apostle Paul was ridiculed, setbacks, abused, rejected, talked about, lied about. What's all that? That's all called life. But God talks about, or Paul talked about, hey, all these things I have done, but it's not Paul, but it's Christ in me. God in me that has enabled me to do all these things. I am what I am, Paul said, but not by myself, but by the grace of God in me. And my time is basically up. <clears throat> Again, gentlemen, when we sit at this table, I have needed Tuesday mornings. I have needed retreats. I have needed all of these things to enable me to be refreshed and restored at those checkpoints or milestones in our journey. We all need those times of, of sharpening our swords, so to speak. That reminds me of a parable or a little story, but I can't give it because I don't <laughs> have time. But, <laughs> but God, is, God is very relational. Someone said to me one time, Randy, if you ever get stuck with life, think about God as your father. Think about as a family. Think about it that way. And that changed everything. Now, some of us have not had a good experience with our earthly father, but that can be changed through our heavenly father. Our Heavenly Father can restore and renew and enable us to move on in our earthly relationships. It's not easy, but it's a choice. And saying, God, I'm believing you for restoration with my dad or my brother or my cousin. You know, there's a future table coming up, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, 6 through 9. And we're all going to be wearing white. White linen, purity, clean, cleansed. 
washed by the blood. So God has called you and invited you by name. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. The better translation is few choose. Few choose God back. Lastly, God's available 24-7. It's not like a restaurant where you can go in and say, oh, what are the hours? <laughs> God's 24-7, guys. So it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, where you've come from. God's more interested in your future than he is your past. So at times we have to renew our minds to say, okay, let's move on from that. Don't look at yourself through your sin because you're sin conscious instead of God conscious. Why can I say that? Because that's oftentimes the battle I fight. What I didn't do, what I should have done. And God is saying, that's in the past. Repent. I'll forgive you. Let's move on. Let's move on. So before I end with a brief prayer, and, and it's time for us to go on with our day. Ethan, party of one, your table is ready. Matt, party of one, your table is ready. Kurt, Bruce, Johan, party of one, your table is ready. You've been invited. You've been qualified to sit at the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share. I thank you, God, that what you're doing in each and every one of our lives, if we each had a microphone, we could share what you've done in and through us and for us. Father, I thank you for transformation. I thank you, Father, at your table, there is renewal. There is refreshment. There is the understanding and the peace of forgiveness, relationship, anointing. Father, I thank you at the table, you prepare a, tea, a feast for us. And Father, it's not just a snack. It's not a continental breakfast, but it's a full spread. And Father, sometimes it's right in the middle of it. So Father, if we feel like we're right in the thick of it, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would refresh, restore, and renew these men, wherever they are from, wherever they are going to, that Father, you are with them. Fear not, for lo, I am with you to the end of the age. So, Father, in the midst of all these things, strengthen our spirit, renew our minds. Thank you for healing our bodies. Father, I thank you for the healing that you offer us. We receive it by faith. And, Father, I thank you for this morning, that, Father, we won't be the same. But, Father, we're transformed by the renewal of the Holy Spirit to go and serve, sons who serve the living Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen.